welcome back to Alpha Podflight, the Alpha Flight podcast where every episode I'm joined by a different guest and we talk about a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight. It's been a while since we've had an episode. <clears throat> the last one was in January with Justin Maharab, which was all right. Um, not all right, it was very good. I then tried to record one with Claire Napier, where we discussed some tricky uh, subject matter to do with representation of women in comics. Unfortunately, it didn't record the audio properly. So, uh, disheartened, I uh, stopped recording podcasts for a while because I was busy and I've got a very fragile ego. But we're back. I sent a comic to our guest, he has read it, and we are ready, I think, to start talking about it. Just before I do, though, there's one thing I should mention. The sad news that uh, writer James D. Hudnell died recently. Um, he's an important part of the Alpha Flight story, uh, had a, a pretty uh, consistent run. Um, we haven't talked about many of his comics yet. Uh, we have got some episodes planned, so we'll talk about him a little bit more in those. I just wanted to mention it now but we're not going to talk too much about that because we're here to talk about uh, a comic which came out a few years after he stopped writing i'm joined by mo mo could you introduce yourself to the listeners and say what it is you do uh hello greetings um i am mo ali i am a writer and uh sometimes artist um I guess I'm in the independent comic scene, um, having written a few kind of short scripts and stories, uh, as well as probably doing the odd pin-up and bit of cover art here and there. Um, you probably might know me from such classics as uh, Midnight Man, uh, Bullet Time and Midnight Man Gunspace, which uh, I am... Uh, partnered with uh, Andy Bloor, who is the artist and basically the brains behind the organisation when it comes to Midnight Man. I just kind of write it and then let him get on with all the hard bits of it. <laughs> um, uh, we're currently putting together Midnight Man 3, titled To Be Confirmed, um, and hopefully I will have gotten off my proverbial backside and written it this year and then <laughs> Andy will be uh, lamenting his lot in life and uh, start hopefully drawing on it at some point um, in the near future so yeah that's something to look forward to but um, beyond that just kind of passing the time with the delusions of being both uh, a writer and an illustrator same here it's tough um, I've only recently yeah. started writing um, and I think the first couple of times I did it, I found it really rewarding and really satisfying and refreshing. And then every time I've sat down to do it since, I've just thought, what am I doing? I should get someone else to do it, knowing that anybody else I tried to get to write to me, I wouldn't be happy with. Um, yeah, I'm probably the same, but slightly in reverse. That's why you probably haven't seen any kind of, say, sequential artwork from me or interior art, just because although I have, I guess, the tools to do it, I don't, I'm probably the worst person to do it for myself, if that right. makes sense. So, yeah, um, no, it does, yeah. Plus, I guess, there's that kind of daily reset that happens where you kind of approach a new day, try to find the time to do some writing or drawing, and then you've totally forgotten how to do any of it. You know, you kind of start from scratch all over again. You know, you, you, it is pretty much like kind of 
the first time an ape sees tools, you know, it's just kind of, you, you can't really work out what you're doing. Yeah. So you go through the whole kind of learning curve on a daily, weekly basis where, um, especially kind of if you're doing it independently, where it's not the kind of main focus of your day. So you just have to try to find time to do it yeah. at some point in between everything else. Um, but because of that, you just kind of become like, you know, a sudden amnesiac when it comes to trying to do it. <laughs> I find that, but what, because obviously I do lots of abstract stuff, so it's easier for me to just crack on because I can, my process means I can correct as I go or just scrap and restart and it not have, it have been part of the process. But when I sit yeah. down to do figurative stuff, the first half hour or so will be really painful and I'll just think, oh, I shouldn't do this. It's just too abstract stuff where I'm comfortable and this, this is more effort than it's worth. And it's the warm-up phase, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, after about half an hour, I'm like, oh, I, I can actually draw. Like, it's not, this isn't where I want to be yet, but I haven't forgotten everything that I had thought I'd forgotten. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, that's probably the same for me. But, I mean, I think I have the added delusion where I can do different styles. Right. So my problem is compounded by the fact that, one, I've forgotten how to draw. And then two, I don't know which style I want to kind of stick with. Yeah. So, you know, I can go from cartoony to, you know, realism to kind of mimicking other artists, I guess, yeah. once kind of I've looked at their artwork enough. But yeah, I just, I just can't stick with anything. I'm kind of, I don't know, it's bloody annoying is what it is, which is why I probably should just <laughs> stick to writing or something. No, it just means, it's, I mean, I think the, the hardest part is finding time to get comfortable with it isn't it yeah um, i think i get an hour at a time so it's rare that i would sit down for longer than an hour to actually get stuff done well i i probably have about the same amount of time but i spend pretty much 55 minutes procrastinating yeah so yeah but i don't know i mean it's like i see other artists work where they've done a warm-up and it looks like you know the sistine chapel or you know it's like it's really kind of well rendered and finished and yeah. You know, they kind of spend a lot of time doing it. But again, I guess that's the kind of the... It's part of the game, isn't it? Social media, yeah. It is yeah, part of the game. Of... It's like constantly flapping down calling cards, like, look how great I am, look how great I am, look how great I, suppose I am. So, yeah, but it's, it's not good for your ego. No. I think all these brilliant artists and they're kind of producing all this good work and you're kind of juggling the mundanities of life, I guess, in between kind of trying to get your drawing in. But, uh, you know, that's that's the artist's life, isn't it? I mean, that I'm is, sure yeah. everyone in real life, we'd all be kind of crying over the same blank sheet of paper <laughs> when it came to actually drawing something. Yeah. Um, okay. So, hi, Mo. Thanks for introducing yourself. <laughs> we went on a tangent there. That's, that's a little bit. That's fine, yeah. though. That's uh, cool. Right. But we're here to talk about uh, something totally different. Something yes, different. this isn't an artist's podcast. We'll, we'll save that for a different different time. Um, well, it, it's interesting because um, artists have a different uh, point of view when they're reading comics than writers do sometimes. So uh, it's definitely well, worth... I'm going to be in a double quandary then, yeah, but I'm <laughs> kind of talking through this. Because, well, uh, three times the quandary because I am uh, a novice when it comes to Alpha Flight, which... That's fine. Might be a little hard to believe, I guess, having, you know... No, that's absolutely for... fine. And the reason why that's fine will become clear in a moment when I start talking about what this is. Um, 
So uh, the comic that we're covering is Alpha Flight number one from 2001. So it was relaunched as part of the Fear Itself um, yes. crossover, which I don't know anything about. I think if you do want to find out, then you can go and talk to Colin Bell. Um, he's yeah, I, yeah, I am both unfamiliar with Alpha Flight and Fear Itself. I mean... I suppose that's not entirely, I mean, it's, it's, well, we'll get to it, but it's true and it's partly untrue because a couple of characters seem familiar. Yeah. But that's we'll, fine. we'll explain that when we get to it. So yeah. we'll get, we'll get through it. Um, so it came out in 2001. I should, 2011, my mistake. I should say thank you to, um, Phil Thomas, a previous guest of this podcast. He runs alphaflight.net, which is the best place to go if you want any information about Alpha Flight. Certainly a thousand times better than this podcast but uh, he gifted me a full run of the miniseries uh, it's a eight issue miniseries um one of the ironies of me running an alpha flight podcast and inviting people on to talk about this issue in particular is that i haven't read the other seven yet um sure. so uh the 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 twist at the end of this issue uh, will be unresolved for both of us uh, at least until Excellent. I've read the rest. Um, yes. The issue is called Pride of a Nation. Uh, it, it was written by Greg Pack and Fred Van Lente. Penciler was Dale Eaglesham. Inker was Andrew Hennessy. Colorist was Sonia Obak. And lettering was done by Simon Boland. There's a bunch of other people in there. Um, with a special thanks to Louise Stevenson. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, so, Mo, could you... Uh, as best you can, not having any awareness <laughs> of Alpha Flight. Take us through what happens in this issue. Um, well, I will give it a go. Um, it's Canada, uh, post-election. Um, I'm guessing it being a Marvel comic, there was some grand uh, villainous-type escapade prior to the election or during the election, so um, we're kind of in the post-election stages, um, I guess the country's sort of getting back on its feet again, but something hinky is going on, as it always is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a team of superheroes uh, have united or reunited um, to take on um, the big bad of this issue. And it's, I guess, a way of both starting from uh, an issue one and reintroducing, I guess, these characters in in a new and different way and setting up, I guess, what will be the kind of story and plot threads for this run from issue one to eight. Yeah. So um, I guess if anyone hasn't read it, I shouldn't really spoil the end. Oh, no, no, no. You, the, the understanding is if you're listening to this podcast, you have read this or you don't mind it being spoiled. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. They they are listening uh, then at their own peril. Um, <laughs> alrighty, so yeah, I mean, my point of view is quite limited in terms of the backstory of these characters. I mean, the four main ones are uh, Heather Hudson, who's the Vindicator, who has some really snazzy shades. Yeah. Um, Mac Hudson, who is her husband, and he's the guardian, and he kind of looks like he's, I guess, the poster boy for uh, Alpha Flight because he's got a Canadian maple leaf on his on his suit. Yeah. Um, then there's um, a brother and a sister team, uh, Jean-Paul Bobier. Bobier. Yeah. 
Bobier, um, who is North Star, and Jean-Marie Bobier, who is Aurora, and um, I guess they're both really fast from reading they're, this issue. Yeah, I don't know I what other powers they have, but they're, officially they're kind of, I guess, speedsters. Yeah. Yeah. But they have a kind of um, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch type relationship going on um, in terms of uh, sibling spat, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. And yeah, the other characters are uh, Walter Langowski, who is Sasquatch, who from having read the issue, I guess, is a kind of Hulk type um, yeah. powered character. But he's kind of... Uh, I guess a cross between uh, Chewbacca and the Thing in terms of <laughs> yeah. his kind of personality. That, yeah, um, uh, Anne McKenzie, who is Snowbird, um, and I think she turns into creatures and stuff. So she's kind of, um, I don't know, kind of refer to I guess Manimal if you know your eighties American <laughs> television, um, but much cooler and with better kind of headgear. Yeah. Um, there's Michael T. Youngman, who is Shaman, who is pretty much uh the uh, mystical part of the team i guess yeah. is probably a lot like i don't know the doctor from the authority or a kind of doctor strange type he's a kind character. of a doctor strangeish one yeah but he's um i guess the first american uh, based on the name and the kind of look at the character so yeah. um i guess there's that kind of element to it as well um and then there's also uh marina smallwood who is just Marina, I guess, and she's, I guess, the hardest one for me to kind of pin down. She's kind of uh, a bit, kind of, looks a little like a punk version of Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, but I guess she has kind of aquatic type powers or something. I don't know, it's hard to, hard to kind of fathom with her because. That's all right, we'll, we'll talk about Marina in a bit and, yeah, and yeah, why I'd, it's particularly I'd, interesting to get someone who doesn't know anything about Alpha Flight to read this issue in particular. Cool, no worries. So, yeah, so they're, they're the team in this kind of iteration of um, Alpha Flight. Um, um, and they, well, we start the story with the evacuation. Um, of Vancouver um, and uh, I guess British Columbia as a whole as there seems to be an impending um, tsunami I guess and it's heralded by um, this kind of rather garish looking individual with a kind of hammer um, and uh, an army of um, underwater soldiers as they um, attack really Um, and he's probably got not the worst name, but it's probably not the best name. It is a terrible um, name. It's yeah, Nerd Cod. Um, it um, sounds like you're kind of combining both naked and cod into one word, <laughs> which is never a good idea. Um, yeah. But as you read the story, he, I guess, is another kind of iteration of a previous character from Alpha Flight kind of history. So they, they, they say he's a, a version of a tumour who appears yeah. way back. So in terms of issues that we've covered... Um, there was one from the 80s where they fought, they helped Namor in a rebellion against Atlantis, and the tumor was one of the baddies there. Um, Fair enough. So, so what they're referring to is ancient history, unless there's some yeah. history in between that I'm not aware of, but I'm pretty sure they're talking about the old ones. Yeah, okay, cool. So, yeah, so he kind of turns up with a hammer and an army and uh, shouting the usual kind of uh, villainous type stuff and um yeah the team 
rescue the people and fight naked cods and uh, we're kind of, I guess, introduced to the character dynamics and the relationships of the team and how um, they are viewed by the public at large via a news reporter. Um, And I guess, yeah, it's just really kind of a a way to do um, an issue one, uh, you know, starting again with a lot of kind of pre-baggage um, and setting up, I guess, what will be uh, both relationship issues and um, what they're going to be facing in terms of... Um, trying to get to the page now. Um, a dodgy uh, Prime Minister, possibly. Gary Cody, um, who's been, who you will never have yeah, heard of before, but is very no, alpha flight-wise. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, there's his political machinations happening as well as um, some box-shaped technological woes yeah. that are um, going to cause the team troll. And, uh, yeah, a big twist at the end um, involving um, one of the established team, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, again, we're, we're not going to be shy of spoilers. At the end, Guardian gets shot by Heather. Um, because she has been tapped up by Gary Cody for a job that we're not sure what it is, but it involves shooting Guardian. And And I guess it relates to the larger fear itself, I guess. I think partly, and also, uh, this is me, so there's a line early, there's a few lines interspersed in the story where Heather saves a little girl and says very quietly to her, I'm sure your mother misses you very much. And then mm. there's another side, uh, another bit of dialogue where they say that they're fighting for custody of their daughter. Okay. So my guess is that she's been turned by being allowed, because it's something to do with their daughter. Getting access to the daughter. Yeah, yeah for I think that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah, there's normally something like that, especially when they, I guess, in a, not in a wink way, try to cover the whole brainwashed robot kind of alien type um, twists that you normally get when it's one of the team who turns against their own, which they kind of, I guess, rule out there there and then um, before revealing her. Well, there's Um, the other twist here is that another member of Alpha Flight has also turned on them, which is Box. So you mentioned Box-shaped robots. Yeah. One of of the previous characters in Alpha Flight, uh, and one of my favourites, was... Box, who is a big robot, um, and various oh, okay. various people over the years have con- have been Box, um, but what they've got here is a version of multiple boxes who yeah, have you been get, kind tar- of yeah built to target Alpha Flight. Yeah, they kind of look like kind of robot versions of like Solomon Grundy or Bizarro or something, and uh, yeah, yeah, they formed out of these kind of boxes rather coincidentally. Yeah. Box units, but uh, yeah, so the team's in trouble. Um, the head of the team has been uh, attacked by his own wife, um, and the prime minister's doing his usual dodgy type speech and mentioning fear and martial law. Um, yeah. and yeah, that kind of sets up, I guess, the rest of the story arc um, for the issues uh, two to yeah, eight that it. we have arranged. So uh, it establishes that probably the main baddie, other than Nurkod, who is being dispatched earlier in the comic, um, yes. 
the main baddie. But again, I guess there's a kind of hint there as well in regards to what. That there's another baddie at the start of it, yeah. But I think there's a baddie behind Fear itself. And the rest of them, I think it's two issues of the miniseries uh, set within Fear itself. And then the other four are, are set without it. Okay. So I think that the main baddie. I'm pretending this all makes total normal sense, but I guess it's, it's, the, <laughs> it's the Marvel kind of tentpole kind of thing where, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Gary Cody uh, is now Prime Minister. He was originally introduced back all the way back in Alpha Flight number one, and he was the government liaison to Department H, which is where Alpha Flight were based. Um, okay. And so he's always been a politician. Uh, in the original comics, the original few issues, he was kind of a sympathetic character. But as other writers picked up the character, he's become more and more uh, he's a bit nefarious. Dodge. Yeah. yeah. Um, leading to him being prime minister, but bringing in martial law, um, which is obviously, you know. Never a good sign. No. Um, so let, we'll talk about the characters quickly. Uh, we mentioned Marina, and so we come back to her. Um, because... Uh, and, well, okay. well, I mean, I did read the additional material at the back, um, yeah. At the end of the, yeah, at the back of the issue, where yeah. it talks about redesigning Marina and kind of giving a new take on her. So I'm assuming she had a a previous couple of versions of her where she was a little different to what she is in this issue. So yeah, so she was a originally she was like a, a teenage girl, I think 16 or 17 years old. She was half alien. Um, no, she was full alien, sorry, but she'd taken on the form of a human because the type of alien she was took on the form of the first thing which touched it. So she looks like a human, but she's all alien. Um, okay. she, but she lives, and she she's most comfortable underwater. And so in the original Alpha Flight series, she um, her main storyline is that um, her species is actually a bunch of baddies and so it was like her not becoming a baddie and then she fell in love right. with Namor and she moved under the water and we didn't see a lot of as, her as you do the classic yeah. love story yeah. yeah um but she was very um innocent and wide-eyed and and she's probably the weakest written of the characters because everything hinged around her changing from an innocent wide-eyed teenage uh, naive girl into a horrendous monster that wanted to gut everybody, um, but, and that was yeah. that was it really. That's all there was. So um, Pack and Van Lente have done a pretty good job of reinventing her. Some Alpha Flight fans like the old version of Marina, um, but some prefer the new version, who has obviously been reading anti-human message boards. <laughs> Um, she's yeah. got she's got a new battle cry, which is "Die Earth Scum," um, yep. which is brilliant. Um, and that takes the kind of Warren Ellis box quite nicely, right? Um, and she's much more rebellious, but we don't get to see very much of it in this. We see no, her no, no. kick some people in the face, and she snarks Guardian a little bit, uh, but that's all we really see of her. It's not uh, it's not a bad intro, considering yeah. not too tall. And most of the characters in this do just get introed. We don't get much more of them. Um, well, um, it's, it's an issue one, I guess. So there's a certain amount of, you know, uh, there is that. But what is also interesting? What's also interesting is it's an issue one that's resetting Alpha Flight. 
So Alza yeah. Flight, as they started off with pretty much this team, but over the years, different writers have uh, picked characters they like, introduced new characters. Well, yeah, I mean, having read this, it kind of felt like a kind of X-Men meets Fantastic Four kind of yeah. setup. And I mean, I said before that I sort of knew a little bit, but I didn't because uh, they mention a character called Puck and yeah. um, who else was it? Uh, I think it was one of the other characters, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that I'd heard their names from the X-Men cartoon from the 90s, which was my main <laughs> introduction to X-Men and stuff, because prior to yeah. that, I'd read um, Silver Surfer and I think Fantastic Four before okay. that. Yeah. So I wasn't massively familiar with the Marvel Universe beyond those two kind right. of properties, I guess. So the X-Men cartoon was my main introduction. I think the characters probably got mentioned in there. I may have missed the episode where Alpha Flight turn up or something. But there is an Alpha Flight episode which I've not watched again. It probably again. would have been, yeah. I mean, they, they cram everything into the X-Men cartoons. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I probably did miss that one. But, I mean, I'm sure they must have mentioned a couple of the characters and the name rang a bell. Certainly Puck, anyway. And his, yeah. yeah, well, because Alpha Flight were introduced as much. baddies for the X-Men. That's That was how they were. they came into being in comics. Okay. Uh, and then over the years they've they've ch- been swapped, chopped and changed. But um, yeah, this comic is is restarted. It's, it's kind of like if you'd had thirty years of X Men comics and getting to a point where the team was just like mutants who had nothing to do with the original five, yeah. and then reintroducing the original five. That's sort of what this is doing. And also, I I hadn't realised because I'm a dumbass who doesn't know anything that a lot of the characters before this before they were reintroduced here. We're all dead. So Guardian was definitely dead. Uh, he's been oh, resurrected okay. two or three times. Marina was apparently dead. Um, and I guess a few others were as well. That's, I guess, part of the course with comics, though. It is, yeah, unfortunately. Because, uh, I mean, because Guardian, um, what he's most famous for, really, is that John Byrne, when he created the character, gave him 12 issues and then killed him off. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And then Alpha Flight existed Sorry. without Guardian for... A hundred issues, not a hundred, but a bunch, years and years and years, um, before another writer brought him back. Um, yeah, because uh, anyway, so by killing Guardian, he allowed Heather to develop as a character. Uh, yeah, and so and that's why she she's such a uh, presence in this comic, uh, and why it's more of a twist that she goes bad, I think. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean certainly. I mean even reading it as you know somebody who's not familiar with any of the backstory, it's a, it's a suitable kind of uh, twisty ending for the first issue. Yeah. You know you want to kind of read it and find out what happens next, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean the start of it was fairly by the numbers, but by the end it is more about the kind of relationships and the whole setting up, which um, is a little more interesting. Yeah. And makes you read the kind of you know the, the following issues that come after. So yeah, because well, it's, it's kind of an Alpha Flight comic for Alpha Flight fans, which is one of the reasons I was interested to give it to someone who'd never read Alpha Flight and how much sense they would make of it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 you know being a Marvel comic, there's that whole Fantastic Four dysfunctional family kind of vibe going on. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, they probably don't do themselves any favors by having this. Uh, I don't know, he just looks really weird, Nerkod. Yeah, Nerkod is terrible. It's just 
it's just like they you know they kind of it's almost like an identity kit for villains kind of thing yeah but once once he's out of the way then it becomes a, a little more interesting and uh, i think i'd read greg pack on um incredible hulk or something yeah. so i was sort of familiar with his writing a little bit but um yeah yeah no i mean it's it's uh it, it's readable it's kind of you know does what it it does what it says on the tin. Um, not sure how it relates to the whole fear itself thing. I've no idea what the heck that's all about. No. Something to do with fear, no doubt. But um, I think it's yeah. something to do with Atlantis attacking. But uh, that's all I know, and that's based mostly on this. So, yeah. Um, wanna, you don't want to aggravate no more. Uh, yeah. No, I, yeah. I'm not sure. If... I mean, I like. I didn't. You know, it's. I don't know whether I would regularly read Alpha Flight just because. Oh, I don't know. That's fine. Mm. That's absolutely fine. So um, we sort of covered the demo synopsis of the comic. Um, is there anything about it that you really did like? Um. Yeah, I mean the the I mean, like I said the the, the character interactions, the fact that there's a kind of husband and wife on the team. That's interesting. Um, or, you know, opens it up to, I guess, storytelling potential. I mean, normally it's the case of, you know, there's maybe like a, a brother and a sister and then the rest are just kind of random people that are just kind of pulled together. Yeah. So the fact that there's, there is a husband and wife and they are kind of, I guess, the, um, I guess mascot is a bit of a demeaning word, but, you know, they, they kind of represent the best of the team. And Canada. Yeah, that's the idea, yeah. yeah. Uniforms. Um, you know, I quite liked that as a kind of, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of, well, I don't know if I'll ever read the others, but it would be interesting to see how that kind of plays out in terms of her betrayal, I guess, um, or her having to do what she has to do, depending on obviously what the end of that story is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, the villain you can kind of take, take or leave at the start. Um Prime Minister being a bit dodgy. I mean, it was sort of expected. He's wearing both glasses and a, and he's got a beard, which is kind of like the who's who of dodginess, I guess. Um, and then, you know, declaring martial, martial law for the greater good is, you know, is a bit kind of make Canada great again kind of thing. Yeah. That, that vibes. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, Sasquatch, how can you not like him? You know, he's referencing kind of 60s sci-fi. Yeah. And he's like a wolf rug, so, you know, there's, there's always a tick and a tick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Shaman's got that kind of moody, kind of celestial vibe. Yeah, going on. Shaman's, Shaman's always been an interesting character. Uh, and what's interesting about him here is that he... So I've coined the term, uh, which is doing a Shaman, which is... yeah walking into a situation telling everyone that you're the, you're the wisest person and you can solve the problem and then doing the actual opposite and making it far worse which is yeah it's not something which is a little like said out loud in the comics but it's something he does in every issue of alpha flight and he no, well, doesn't I mean, do that call, here i would call it doing a doctor who <laughs> the doctor just kind of you know turns up makes the situation worse and then has to try to figure his or her way out of it so yeah um, yeah. um but yeah. Sh- shaman never gets called out on it and nobody ever says to him like you've well would you though that. i mean he's a big he's a big dude and he's got you know quite uh lovely looking hair so he's probably... got really That's... nice hair uh, yeah he's just like he just <laughs> this, stepped out of the salon so this new version yeah. of him could should be in like 
he should have his own. I'm not calendar. sure about the green and the yellow, but again, who's going to criticise his his choice of fashion? Well, with, with that's that's the old costumes, uh, and what people don't always notice straight off is that the the characters from the main Alpha Flight team all have complementary costumes in different colours. So Shaman yeah. has got green and yellow. Snowbird okay. has got blue and white, and then Aurora and Northstar have black and white. But they're all the same. Yeah, I was pattern. thinking there'd be a lot more conformity across the uniforms if they're a team. But I guess yeah, yeah the conformity is in that sort of um, maple leaf thing at the top. Yeah, that's that's the bit. Um, the other person with amazing hair in this is Snowbird, um, who has she's been she hasn't been redesigned, but um, uh, Dave is it Dave Eaglesham or Doug? E- oh God, I should know this by now. Uh, Dale. Dale Eaglesham. Dale Eaglesham. Um, that's not my memory. That's me looking at the actual issue. That's fine. Well. I was desperately trying to find the page with his name on. Um, he's he's just um, bolstered some of the elements of her costume. So her cape has sort of shoulder pads in it now. So it's bigger at the top. Yeah, there's a bit of a kind of... Um, who's that character from He-Man? Uh, uh, the goddess? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that going on in the costume. Yeah, because well, Snowbird is a demigoddess. That, that's her yeah. power. That's why she can turn into animals because um, she's a goddess attached to the earth. Uh, and he's also made her headdress um, more extravagant. It's much pointier, probably less practical, but it does look cooler yeah, than the old you'd, one. You'd probably have to duck going, getting into a few kind of. Yeah. If you compare it to on the back page of the comic in, in the extra material, it's got a little picture of John Byrne's original designs of them. Oh, um, yeah. And you can see Snowbird in the top there, and she doesn't look anywhere near as cool. She looks very 80s, but um, she's yeah. not as cool as she does now. I mean, I don't, the costume's not bad in the original one. It's a lot simpler, but yeah, yeah certainly the new one's an improvement. It's got that kind of um, nice kind of superhero-type cloak going on, so yeah. it's quite nice. Yeah. Um, but there's a few other nods in this comic which I really like, too, and they're sort of for Alpha Flight fan nods. So when um, Guardian, he beats Necrod by uh, cancelling... Naked Cod. Naked Cod, sorry. He he beats Naked Cod by cancelling his gravitation, his link to the the Earth's polarity and then sort of like disappears across the Earth. So the idea being that he stays in one point while the Earth turns. Uh, And that is something which he does in Alpha Flight number one, the original one. Um, So him using that power is is a direct nod to fans saying, yeah, we've also read Alpha Flight comics. We we know what the deal is. Uh, Um, No, exactly. Absolutely. And that's what's quite nice for me to see little things like that. Um, And yeah, we also get to see Snowbird change in the older comics, she didn't change into many types of animals. She changed into a bear if she wanted to have a fight. She changed into an owl if she wanted to go flying. Uh, and well, she... yeah, reading the back, it was, I guess they're kind of trying to as well link to the whole kind of Canadian geography yeah. of it in terms of the animals and stuff. But... Well, yeah, so she can yeah, change I mean, into figure... any Canadian animal. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we see her turn into a dinosaur here, which is good. Um, yeah, it's always nice when writers get imaginative. Um, I think, I think my favourite Snowbird is when she changed into a whale, um, and then okay. Puck rode her around underwater. That was good. But um, uh, yeah, 
So that's quite cool. Uh, is um, And then the other thing which I quite like is the relationship between Jean-Paul and his husband. I'm not sure if he's married yet, or his boyfriend or his husband, whose name absolutely escapes me. Um, uh, let's have a look. Where are we? No, I don't think he actually mentions it. I want to call him Kyle, but that's probably wrong. And I should know. Uh, I've read him in other comics. Um, but yeah, I like their relationship. I like the fact that... Yeah, they're in a relationship. God knows yeah. what the relationship is. Uh, uh, well, no, I don't they, know they get married at one point in the comics, whether or not that's before or after this. But North Star is, was the first gay superhero. Uh, and this oh, is right. his, okay. his lover. Um so, yeah, so it's nice to see them, and it's nice to see them normal. There's, they're obviously in love. Before it, before it all goes pear Before it all yeah. goes wrong, yeah. And uh, again, spoilers, uh, Kyle, I guess I'm just going to give him Well, that. there's a K in there. K, so that maybe it's Kyle. Maybe that he needs, so possibly, yeah. But then he gets I mean, I guess um, crushed by a box robot. As um, you do. Yeah. This is what happens when you're in a relationship with a superhero. It's it's bound to happen. Yes. Uh, oh no, it is Kyle. You're right. Yes. Good. I'm glad that I was able to remember something uh, that wasn't pointless. Something from the 1980s. Um, uh, Kyle then, has good hair as well. He has got good hair and a little it's beard, like which is very hair, 2000s. Sure. Um, yeah. And okay, so uh, I, I also so. I think the the writers do a pretty good job of covering quite a lot in this first issue and setting it up. I think it's a decent first issue. The other thing I want to mention is the art because I don't know about you, it reminds me quite a lot of Chris Weston. Uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah. I think Chris. Chris has got more flair uh, and is able to pack more detail in. Yeah, I was going to say the detail is Chris's thing, where he kills himself putting a lot of detail into his yeah. art. Um, which is not to belittle this art in this issue, but um, yeah, Chris definitely he has he, he puts a lot more kind of uh, minutia into the art that you yeah. can kind of always appreciate. Um, but you know, it's it's solid enough for you know Marvel kind of storytelling. I mean, there's uh, especially the kind of the intro and the the big bad turning up. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of kind of uh, dynamism. Um, going on um, there's probably room for more expressions I guess there's a lot of kind of stoicism in this but again I guess it's I think that comes still down to the, the type of comic they're doing yeah yeah it's I guess it's also they don't want to give too much away as well really in terms of character motivations yet um, yeah. although you can kind of read a lot into it I guess when you know what the overall arc is about and stuff. Um, so perhaps further down the line, we find out why they're being a bit more cagey. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it, the art's solid. Um, yeah. The writing, you know, the writing kind of has to kind of walk that line between uh, serving someone like myself who's never kind of, you know, read an Alpha Flight comic before and the Alpha Flighters... I guess, or whatever you would call the fans of Alpha Flight. Um, so, yeah, I think it kind of does that for the most part well. Yeah. Uh, have I just coined that, Alpha Flight? Is uh, I think so. I, I've not heard it before. Uh, okay. I don't, uh, I don't know what Alpha Flight fans call themselves. 
I mean, alpha flight characters are Alphans. Uh, yeah, I guess flighters. Yeah, well, I've just coined it now, so it's it's law. So yeah. Okay, but if people don't like it, it's your fault, not mine. So that's fine. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. So, is there anything that you weren't keen on in this particular comic? Um, naked cod, I guess. But then, I guess you need (laughs) no cod. Yeah, naked cod. Yeah, Um, but I mean, I guess it's there's the whole kind of you know. Yeah, he's a cliche, but then you need the cliche to introduce the team, really, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was looking at him and I thought it's like something from Aquaman on steroids, which is yeah. saying something if you've, if you've seen the new I've movie. Not seen um, the film, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess it's necessary. I mean, you know, you can't fault it. I mean, you need a villain that's of a certain scale, but then dispensable enough to kind of continue with the rest yeah. of the story. Um, yeah, but yeah, he, he wasn't doing himself any favours with that kind of wardrobe get-up. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, apart from that, I can't really find any major faults or anything. I mean, yeah. uh, you've got the annoying news reporter, but again, I guess that's kind of... She's more of a device, isn't she? Yeah, uh, that's probably more kind of harking back to the Lois Lane days when people didn't really know what to do with Lois Lane. Um, well, she's not a character. She's just she's just there to give. Yeah, us just something. there. So, yeah, I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been a whole bunch of people standing outside a television store watching on yeah televisions or something like that. I mean, or some people stood around a newsstand talking about the uh... yeah yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> unnecessary no, no, Watchmen dig there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, it was you know it probably it, well, Watchmen probably gets away with it more than any other comic would. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, apart from those, but then that's just the story. Yeah, uh, there's one thing. Uh, it's not. It's not something I dislike. It's just something I'm wary of. Is that um, Aurora? Uh, her main storyline, as it were, in the original comics, was that she had split personality disorder. Oh, okay. Uh, and and so North Star's main motivation in this is confronting her with having, it. Yeah, yeah, he's worried about her having some kind of post-traumatic stress episode from yeah. this issue and she doesn't like him interfering and I guess leaving the team so yeah so yeah um, so that's the bit I'm, I'm, it's not anything that I can criticize yet but it's something that I'm wary of and but when I finally get around to reading the rest um, I will be surer uh, but yeah that's it one other thing is that the last splash page where Heather is flying over Mac. She's got burning hands, and there's absolutely crap loads of dubs, and I don't know why. Uh oh, here we go. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, there are quite a few, aren't there? Uh, let's have a look. Why it's would there a, be loads of dubs? Uh, it's a motif uh, of some see, sort. Yeah, you see loads of dubs kind of suddenly flying up behind uh, Guardian yeah. as he's standing. Um, hmm. Who knows? Yeah, so maybe who knows? I don't know. Uh, right, but that's it. Uh, the other thing that often comes up when we talk about old issues of Alpha Flight is the adverts. Uh, and it's not an actual feature of the podcast, but there's some notable ones considering where we are now culturally. Is that on the back page there is yes. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds advertising milk in his Green Lantern yep. costume? Um, yeah, with the milk tash. Um, but yeah you know um, 
Yeah, I mean that 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 movie's probably in for another episode of a podcast. To be honest. Yeah, well, yes, um, enough people have spoken about that film. Uh, there's also I mean, the main mistake I'd say, just looking at it, is probably the fact that they went with a CG costume. But you know, yeah. Uh, and the problem with this advert is I hadn't realised he was advertising milk because because he's Green Lantern. The milk has turned green in his green as well. Yeah. Power. So uh, it's a misstep for the advert. And is he is he holding up? A glass of milk with his ring or has he manifested it as part of his powers or you know like is he thinking of is it a, a ring hologram of milk I don't know it's kind it of, does raise drunk. more questions than it answers doesn't it yeah there's a yeah it, it, it's confusing is what it is yeah yeah um and then there's a bunch of cats so also this is appears to be when the first uh marvel films came out because there's one here for uh, an advert for um, sleepwear for Captain America the First Avenger and Thor the Mighty Avenger so it's weird to, to if you were to read the comic you might not place it culturally there's not a lot in it oh. which which says what time it comes from but the advert dates it to a specific point in time mm, yeah certainly when yeah was he called the Mighty Avenger in the movies I don't think it was I don't it? remember that but that's what no, he's been given uh, here fair enough um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the rest of the adverts just going through are a little more generic. Yeah, there's, there's a car, car one. Uh, and it's a bunch of PS3 games, which look brilliant, but then you remember that they're on the PS3, so they couldn't have been that good. Um, there's a couple of Fear Itself um, titles as well, yeah. um, which kind of... So you've should we mention them or not really? I mean, you've got Captain America. Captain America's lying down. had the crap kicked out of him and he's lying on a table. Is Iron Man without his mask looking at a rainbow or something? I don't know what's going on there. And then looks like, who would that be? Thor, maybe? Maybe Thor. Maybe Thor looking at uh, a mustachioed, angry, evil, Nick Nolte type Thor, maybe? I don't know. Bizarre, but yeah, the game one is pretty standard. Any other Marvel type ones? And then there's uh, an advert for oh. a Captain America game that I've never heard of. Is that a game or is that a comic? Uh, oh, I'm, oh, sorry, it's at the back. Captain, Captain America Super Soldier. Played uh, in 3D. Let's have a look. The very last page. Oh, a, ah, no, there's a Ghost Rider for itself. Uh, yeah. Rob Williams. Rob's a good writer, so I'm sure that's worth that a read. Right, oh, here yeah. we go. Here's, yeah, here's the game one. Yeah, I don't remember this game, so I'm yeah. guessing it didn't uh, light up the zeitgeist. But then, then, until the films, I didn't give a toss about Captain America either, so I, would, I wouldn't have even looked at that. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. But again, the games are always a little hit and miss, depending on... I mean... Comic games, comic games. It's, yeah, it's probably like Batman, the Arkham games, and uh, maybe the uh, Injustice ones of recent times. Yeah. Uh, but before that, the only Marvel one I can think of is uh, X-Men Children of the Atom, which was like a kind of Street Fighter. Oh, okay, I remember that one. Like game, which I remember playing a lot because it was a local store that had it on a come-in-and-play-for-yourself kind of setup. Right. So. It became a kind of unofficial last man standing thing, so... But anyway, yeah. X-Men Origins Wolverine had a pretty decent game, actually. 
yeah. <clears throat> it was a sort of it was a little bit like God of War, that sort of thing, where you just like went through rooms and rooms of enemies, uh, leveling was up your war rings. Was, was that the one that was voiced by Mark Hamill, or was that a different one? No, I don't think so. Because there was a game that he voiced Wolverine. Okay. I can't remember if it was that one or if it's around that time. Hmm, uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't remember the Origins game. Well, okay. I should look back. Well, uh, anyway, this isn't a uh, uh, computer games podcast. This is a comics podcast. No. I think we have discussed this comic as much as we're going to be able to, which is good. Uh, Time-wise, uh, which is the, the, obviously the not, not the best metric of podcast quality but it is a metric uh we're all right so good um do you have anything sorry right at that minute my wife came in and she just laughed at me for making that little aside uh hopefully everyone else enjoyed it as much as she did um Could be i had the door open and, and someone look at me sternly and then walk away again so <laughs> yeah um okay so uh that's that i think uh did you have anything to plug mo or anywhere where people can find you on the internet. They can find me on the Twitters, as they say. Um, Mo underscore Ali, but I'm quite boring and I tend to retweet other people or post silly gifs. But again, I guess that's what Twitter's for. Yep. Um, what else could I plug? Oh, yeah, I mean, we still have uh, some comics... Andy and I, as well as Andy himself, has a few of his, which are always worth your money. Um, and those are at uh, midnightman.bigcartel.com. So take a look there if you want to find the Midnight Man previous issues, if you want to catch up before the third one eventually, at some point in the near future, gets published. Or if you want to find um, some of Andy's uh, other titles, which I may make an appearance in, in terms of writing and whatnot. So... Yeah, I mean, beyond that, you can try to find me on the other social media, but my name being the same as a famous boxer, it's probably going to be a bit tricky to find me, so good luck. <laughs> okay, um, if people want to find me on the internet, I am at Gerthink on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I recently had a post go viral, um, which was it should have been more exciting than it actually was, um, was it related to It wasn't anything to do with... It was, I was reading a Jack Reacher book and just uh, took a picture of a particularly excellent oh, paragraph. Oh, yeah, I remember. Uh, and it blew yeah. up and half of the people were being horrendously nasty about Jack Reacher books. And it just sort of coloured my week, to be honest. Um, they can be as nasty as they like the book sell. And, yeah. you know, he tries to do right for himself, so... Yeah. Um, so that's that. Um the other thing, so um, since the last episode of this podcast, my book Petricor has come out via Good Comics. Um, you can get that by, uh, if you look for me on Twitter, it's, it's my pinned tweet. You can get a link to it from there. Um, it's £12. Um, it's an abstract grief diary love letter. Uh, it's People who have read it have uh, said really nice things about it. Uh, and I'm very proud of it, so uh, consider buying a copy. Uh, my other comics are also available from gerthink.bigcartel.com. I should spell gerthink. It's G-R-T-H-I-N-K. And um, I think that's it for this podcast. Yeah. Uh, how do I normally close a podcast? 
I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I, I seldom turn up on these things just because I sound like an idiot and my voice tends to slowly die as, as the, the podcast progresses. So I think we've both done remarkably well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's been right. I've only said um every sentence rather than twice a sentence, which is it's good going for me. And I'll probably be making sniffing noises all the way through, so... Those will be a joy for you to edit out. If it was a proper podcast, I'd go through and edit them all out. But it's all oh, right. So they're all going to be in there, are they? Yes, they're all going to be in there. If anything, they'll be louder than normal. Um, Good. Yeah, but thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate no you worries. coming on. And um, you yeah, should do uh, this again sometime when absolutely. we actually know what we're talking about. Well, I'll tell you what. For some reason, I bought a third run of. Um, Revenge of the Dream Queen, which won't make any sense to you at all, but um, no. oh, I don't know why I've done it to myself. Uh, and also, um, because I haven't read every Alpha Flight comic, I shouldn't have started a podcast about them, but I have had about 30 new issues turn up. Someone had to, and you are the pioneer. That you, Yeah, I started it, and then some other people started an Alpha Flight podcast. They did it slightly better than me. Um, oh, did they? They're, and they're Canadians, so they've got a bit of an app on oh, it. Well. There you go, then. They've got the added advantage. However, they're probably not as good looking as either of us. So This is true. And it being a podcast, no one will ever know. <laughs> um, my son has entered the room and he's trying to mouth something at me. You all right, Bill? Yeah. What do you want? I'm going to bed now. Okay, right. No, no. <laughs> I'll come up and see you in a minute. <laughs> um, right, so I'm going to go. Thank you very much for your time. I hope... I hope not only that people will join me on another episode of Alpha Podflight, but that there is another episode of Alpha Podflight because uh, doing this, I've remembered how much I enjoy it. Thank cool. you, Mo, and no I worries. will see you around. Cheers. No worries. Goodbye. Bye. Are you still there? Yes. Okay, good. So we've ended the podcast. I thought it was now. the fake goodbye Thank as you. opposed to the real goodbye. Yeah. Um, I remembered halfway through talking that what I normally do is I start talking and then as I'm talking... I put on like the outro music, which is the Canadian national anthem, and then that slowly drowns me out. Um, whether or not I do that. Give it a go, why not? It'll probably drown my sniffing noises towards I'll the end. Yeah. yeah. Alright, cool. Um, I've got to go. Yeah.